Welcome back to the MRAP, your favorite bi-weekly news wrap and talk show about life, the military, and everything in between. What's up, teammates? Welcome to the back of the MRAP. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Pelletier, joined again with Sergeant Willis. And uh, Sergeant Dostal is not with us today. She is out doing some some kind of class she wants she's, to be a recruiter or she's something educating like herself she's, yeah educating herself on how to educate the civilian population uh on the benefits of joining the national guard but like i said ending us at the last episode i'm super stoked about this episode um we've got with us today a very special guest to me uh we've we go back pretty far and uh without further ado i have major ben nichols in the mrap with us uh he is currently the you're down at the let me get this right first of the 157th infantry battalion mountain that's close enough that works for me okay i want to say mountain infantry i want to say light mountain infantry i want to say things like that we had we talked about this before it's implied if you're mountain infantry you're light infantry so you're good there okay and you're working in operations yes all right um what what for the standard uh civilian listener operations is like what it's the operation cell it's the nucleus of the brain that makes training and missions happen okay so you know that's the, if you're in a corporation that's where the coo the chief of operating officer would meet with his team or her team and it, make things happen basically the the brain of the operation for a large organization so so, we, so without you being too modest you're a mover and a shaker i you know i wouldn't call i wouldn't call myself a mover or a shaker but i think that we have a lot of people that that's kind of their role on the okay. team um we're we're not exactly in my my cell, if you will, or my section, doing the stuff that you see the guy in the movie or the poster do. But uh, we get satisfaction out of knowing that if we're doing our jobs right, sitting behind computers, giving briefings and presentations, and doing analysis and things like that, that we're enabling those the the guy or girl on the poster to do their job. Okay. So it's kind of the the slept on. Uh, piece of the puzzle that you don't always see that you there's always that one scene in the movie where there's like a tactical operations center and there's somebody that comes in and yells all non-essential person personnel get out or whatever that's me i'm i'm probably the one getting out when the the okay the scarier guy comes in yeah, and yells yeah. at me that is, but yeah that is the best explanation i think that i've ever heard about uh, just, <laughs> like like that particular section You've and learned. i'm totally stealing that please please by all means i mean so um, a way of looking at it, you know. It's it's really great to see you. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're here. Um, let's let's tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from originally? I am a born and raised in Colorado. Native? Uh, I, yeah. Colorado I, native. I, Colorado right. native. Um, born in Colorado Springs, but I, I, I represent Denver uh, okay. very hard. Uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, Park Hill, North Denver, East nice. Hampton, lived in all those spots and uh, very proud of all, all Got, those neighborhoods. Got like a 52 I'm the Denver guy. Team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when did you move up to the Denver area? Like, oh, I've been in Denver over 20 years now. So you're there somewhere that long. It's you kind of, yeah. that's 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 home to me. That I'll, Even if I'm living somewhere else, I, I will be Denver, you know. How, so. um, how, how'd you land in the military? How, how, how do you, how does one 
become a major you know and become like, a major like well well let's let's back it up right like how where'd you start um how how why just wanted to be like uh dear old dad uh my father was a vietnam vet he was he was infantry he was a green beret he was a paratrooper uh later on he became a a, a helicopter pilot dust off so like basically like the military version of flight for life um he had a lot of crazy stories a lot of adventures he had been mentioned in books to me he was like a real life rambo like he embodied what the guy in the poster does um he had been decorated for valor numerous times and won a purple heart i wanted to be him i wanted to be just like him and now here i am close to uh retirement and you know i would say that uh, the apple fell far from the tree but i spent a good portion of my career trying to emulate him and i think that is what kept me in line challenging myself and and trying to do the right things and i you know i have no regrets you know you can't really be somebody else you can you can follow in their footsteps but that's what drew me to uh soldiering being a soldier uh and and i have no regrets i'm really glad that i did that yeah, that's yeah. that's very cool. I um I I, I knew part of that. I don't know if if you did. I, I didn't know, but I I definitely uh I understand a lot of that mentality, right? Uh, well, I think I think yeah, we all have lineage here, right? We yeah. we all understand that that part of the tradition of it. That's um, I, I think you you said it best when like you can't you can't be the other person, but you try and emulate you know the good qualities as best as you can. Well, and I think there's a point in time when like you really try and like maybe it might not even be like a parent. It could be like a sibling that you have like a competitive rivalry with. Yeah. And I think you you actually think that you're going to meet or achieve what somebody else did. And you're just not always in the right time or place or conditions to do exactly what somebody else did. And so I think I hit a point where, you know, I tried to tried to emulate my, my dad. I tried to tried to be a ranger and tried to be a Green Beret and, and not all of those things happened. But I. I'm looking back now as I get close to retirement, I'm, I'm pretty happy and proud with, with what I've done. And I don't look at it as a, any huge regrets. Like, like I aimed high and I, I'm happy where I ended up, you know, and, you know, I didn't put any unreal, I hit a point where I matured a little bit and didn't put any unrealistic expectations. But, um, but I think we should all have somebody that we strive to at least be like, and some people actually do surpass their own their own mentors or whoever they're looking up to definitely. But, um, just remember that like, you can only, you can, the, the role you can play best is yourself, you know, but yeah. I, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously you've done a ton of stuff, right? Like you just look at your uniform for the people that don't know how to read a uniform, they'd probably call you general or something like <laughs> that. Right. But, um, you know, you're, you're got, what lickies chewies um cibs jump wings things like that deployed multiple times um that's that's way more than the average person and and i'm sure that your family is super proud of of what you've accomplished because not only have you accomplished um things in the military but you've educated yourself you know you, you didn't just come out as an officer like boom i'm out of the womb out of basic training i'm an officer so you you you've got degrees you know you're working on your master's correct or you don't No, i finished that a couple years ago did you yeah oh right on um yeah so you got a master's degree right like you've got you've got so much out of uh the opportunity of being a soldier to that in translation makes your family super proud you know you've you've lived up to that and in some places you might have even surpassed um 
Yeah. Yeah. What uh what kind of hobbies what kind of hobbies do you have? What do you do? Okay. Uh <laughs> I used to be a big snowboarder. Uh 20 plus years of destroying my body, doing doing the army stuff, doing the soldier stuff, um parachuting and infantry, carrying 100 pounds of stuff on your back. Uh that's kind of uh taking that away to an extent so now i'm kind of just the guy who goes up and then sits at the bottom of the mountain in the lodge and has a you know has a, a whiskey or something and that that does it for me but uh i'm a big reader uh i still like to live an active lifestyle i i run a lot uh traveling i want to live the colorado life like to the fullest, you know, without, yeah, okay, I can't, you know, ski or snowboard, um, but I like to get out. I like to hike trails. I like to run trails. I like to be in nature. I love exploring museums. Uh, I've had the opportunity to go to some Colorado ghost towns in the last couple of years. And if yeah, you've never cool. done that before, definitely try that out. Um, a side hobby for me is just exploring Colorado's craft beer culture yeah we're originators in the game there are there are we're not the only place that's known for it because i know i i can imagine other people from other places in the country listening to this and immediately going on the defensive i'm from portland i'm from milwaukee the great places around the country that that are known for it but we're we're originators in that culture too and it, it's known and we have something we've had something very special going on in the state for um, probably before I was even old enough to, to have a beer, you know, with the craft beer scene and the creativity. And so Colorado's got over 400 breweries and my goal is to visit each one at least once. And I'm, I've got about 200 more to go. So where, where's your palate goes? Are you a, are you an IPA? Are you a sour? Are you a stout? So this is, this is crazy. But like when I started getting into craft beer, it was about like the creativity like i'm thinking back to when i first turned 21 and like a bud light and a corona was like awesome for me now i that's not really you know that's just kind of too normal now and too i don't want to say basic but like when i first got into the craft beer scene i'm thinking wow people are making peanut butter and jelly sandwich flavored beer and sours and my mind was blown and then now that's more normalized to where my palate has changed and now i'm turning so into that you're like retro palate I, I just want a lager right well no <laughs> like now yeah it's more like i want a, a very well done i want a mexican lager or yeah, yeah. i never thought i would say this I'm, i will never be the ipa snob that i've always like pointed fingers at and right. judged for being judgy yeah. but i i'm starting to like ipas and no, i'm I like what happened to me i can't i can't you go know? there with you I, an ipa to me is like the it's 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 like the man's macchiato it's just it's so it's played out I, I i get that <laughs> but like it's for me it's like a regular ipa no interest west coast ipa no interest, but if it's like a New England IPA or a double IPA, you can do so much with them to where if it's got more of a malty flavor than a hoppy flavor, right? Yeah. I can get down with that as something that like I can slow drink and I'm one of them and I'm full. I'm not trying to have like five of them, you know? Right. You're not trying to rage yeah. out on IPAs, right? Yeah. I definitely, uh, I don't, I don't drink anymore, but, um, when I did drink, I, I started out like Guinness was my like, but yeah. You know, Guinness was like, I was like, I won't drink anything with Guinness. And I was, you know, I was probably 17, 18 years old. I mean, 21, uh, when that was happening. 21. He said 21. I said we 21. Up that. <laughs> uh, 
you know, you know, you just the young the young kid just drinking because it's drinking, right? Yeah. And I I, I liked Guinness uh, until I went to Cuba. I was mm-hmm. in Guantanamo Bay for a year. Uh, when I came back, I kind of I just didn't like Guinness anymore. Yeah. It was so strange. It almost tasted like soy sauce to me. Uh, yeah, I know it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but, and that's when I was like, I, that's when I decided that I wanted to expand my palate and really go a lot more into the craft beers and, and yeah, check out what Colorado has to offer. So uh, I did like IPAs for a long time. Um, but so Colorado has a lot of breweries. Colorado has a lot of history. Colorado has a lot of things. Um, Colorado ha- has the origination of the 10th mountain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, let's, let's talk about some of that, right? Let's. Let's talk about the, are, are you a Pando Commando? How do you become one of those? Well, uh, I think the- uh, Just just ski trooper? Well, yeah, <laughs> I, we, we go by the name Pando Commando too. Uh, we, I think we have an idea for some sort of initiative to kind of make that like a group within a group, yeah. kind of like an elite within an elite that you kind of like try out for more like for a rite of passage but gotcha but gotcha. yeah so kind of like 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 calves earning their spurs right yeah um so w- as it currently sits right now our our, br- our brigade and and battalion aren't currently aligned with the 10th mountain division but there's hope that we'll get that alignment again sure. so for the past three years up to earlier this year uh, my battalion wore the patch of the 10th Mountain Division, and we're very proud to do so, right. um, to be a part of that division. Um, and, that, and that was cool that when when that happened, when when that battalion uh, patched in, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, there was there was a ceremony up at Camp Hale, correct? We did a ceremony at Camp Hale where the original 10th Mountain Division stood up and trained in preparation to ship out to World War II to go to go fight the Nazis in the mountains. Right. Yeah, that's um, that was that. I found that the history of that to be super cool. That they when they were standing up that unit in World War II, there was a lot of East Coast college skiers that were brought in to be the technical advisors, to be the experts, the SMEs mm-hmm. when it came to skiing, ice climbing, mountaineering in the winter, and things like that. And and you find that there were so many of these guys that really just wanted to do that job. Uh, but they were all college educated and there was only mm-hmm. so many slots for, for officers. But these guys, you know, they said, well, you could take a commission, but you'd have to go to another unit because all the officers yeah. are are filled now. Right. This is like World War Two. We're talking about here. Uh, this isn't current. And um, and these guys said, no, I really just want to stay with this unit. I want to I want to hang out here because I love what I'm doing and I'm willing to just be an enlisted person and not be an officer to mm-hmm. to continue doing stuff like that. I, 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 I thought that was super cool when I when I read that. Um, and then, so these guys, you know, World War II, they stand up this division. They, they train, uh, in the mountains in Colorado, they go off, they fight and they come back and they didn't want to let that go. That's part of their culture as part of who they were. So now we've got like amazing resorts throughout Colorado that I don't think people for the most part unless you go to like the the museum or you, mm-hmm. you visit Vail and you, you see the ski trooper statue and you realize the connection that these veterans of World War II are the guys that that created basically what we enjoy now as recreation. Mm-hmm. Am I far off on that or they no, you're not. So and you mentioned it just a minute ago when they recruited for that division, they 
the founder of the division said, I can take a mountaineer and turn them into a soldier a lot easier than I can take a soldier and make them a mountaineer. And that still holds true today because of the amount of technical uh, and lifestyle things that you need to know. It takes a it takes half a life to accumulate the things that will keep you alive in those environments. And soldiering is not an easy thing to learn as we all know and have seen and lived. But um, they had the right idea of, of doing it the other way around. We'll take these mountaineers and make them into soldiers and we'll see what happens. And the, the experiment worked very well. Um, they took these, these people who range from not just East Coast intellectuals, but uh, coal miners and, and people who were on the ski patrol and things like that. See, there wasn't really a ski industry before World War II started. It was for, you were either an elite and a, a social elite Mm -hmm. or you were very rural and that was actually part of like life for you. There were no resorts, there was nothing like that. And so now you have on one end, these intellectuals uh, with a lot of acumen and a lot of education and a lot of gusto and drive who come back from the war and they built this amazing brotherhood uh, while going overseas and training and fighting the Nazis. Um, they don't wanna let it go. And they've learned, they've developed tactics and things like that that helped employ themselves in combat. But now, the unit has been disbanded in 1945 and they come home, what are they gonna do? How are they gonna maintain that brotherhood and how are they gonna share what they've learned? Like the concept of the chairlift was invented by the 10th Mountain Division so they could get soldiers up a mountain to train and come back down quickly, things like that. They have these things that haven't been patented. Why don't we try and share what we've learned with the civilian populace and, and and they did and they built an industry across the country, right. but it, it really started right here in Colorado. Yeah, it's um, there's, there's so much came out of World War Two. If you think about it, um, the other thing you know when you mentioned that uh, about like them patenting and creating chairlift and stuff like that, uh, they want to come home. They want to keep that community, and they they want to. You know, there's something that happens when you spend that time with with somebody in uh, in a combat zone, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you and I have been there. You'll um, you'll be my brother for life, man. Because like, there's just things I a type of brotherhood I have with other friends. And it's not, I'm not saying one's better, but they're different. Like yeah. I can't have the same type of brotherhood with friends that I haven't been in combat with. That's, yeah. that's real. No, yeah, you, 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 I don't know. You just hit me with like so much emotion right now. I'm like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no, okay. um, no, like you, you, you get that connection that um, you just can't let go of. And, and, you know, you're talking about uh, these ski troopers from World War II. And I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm also kind of correlating it to, um motorcycles introduced in world war ii and these guys come back yeah. and they still want to ride their motorcycles and now you get the that explosion of the motorcycle culture you know which yeah. is still alive today um and, but like there's so there's so much with the 10th mountain in colorado i mean you see it on our license plates um you see it in what's it uh is it never summer did they do a, a special edition who did the 10th mountain I edition i think it or might have been Icelandic? never summer but they've done i've seen them before if you do like a google image search online you can see 10th mountain skis and snowboards which is right. super cool just to see that you know in so, modern culture so okay so you you dig it you dig oh, it oh yeah being like crossover into um you know whiskey yeah um things like that um, have you had, have you had 10th mountain whiskey? I, I went to the 10th mountain distillery in Vail with my girlfriend and we had an amazing time. It's like this little intimate setting with a fire and 10th mountain relics hanging on the wall, but you feel like you're in like a ski lodge 
or something like, you know, back in the olden days or something and, and they make a great product. And I, you know, I showed them my coin and they like, wouldn't it, you know, I, I could pay no money there, you know? And so I, you know, came out with a bunch of swag and I, you know, I can't wait to go back, but just to, to know that like my unit has that heritage and we have something like that, you know, right. it, it is cool. You know, it's cool to know that like, it's not just like a name of a distillery to them. Like there's obviously, you know, they attach it to you. Cause I was going to ask you if you let them know like that you were involved with it um, and, and how they reacted to that. And it's nice to see that it, instead of just being like, okay, cool. Like it actually oh, yeah. meant something to them. Oh, they told me that they're like the commanding generals all come down. They make a pilgrimage to Colorado just because they want to drink at the place that chose to make whiskey named after the, the, the organization, like the force that they are a part of, you know? Um, so yeah, not everybody gets that. And so, you know, if you're in one of those few types of organizations that, that is so celebrated, you want to definitely take part in it. Absolutely. Um, but they, they definitely loved it. They said, we get people in all the time and we, we just get really giddy when like a, you know, like a 10th mountain vet old or new comes in to, to spend some time with us here at the distillery. You know, I thought that was super cool. Yeah. That's know? awesome. Uh, put you on the spot real quick. Uh, favorite yeah. item branded with 10th mountain. Well, we already mentioned it, the whiskey, but you and I oh, were kind of talking before. Oh yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's not the best whiskey. It's not the worst whiskey, but it's got the name of, of my unit on it that went to go fight the Nazis in the mountains in world war two. And it's pretty tasty and that's good enough for me. So yeah. I've always got a bottle on hand of the bourbon the whiskey's good too. Uh, but, uh, I've had Aspen Brewing Companies, I believe it was 10th Mountain IPA. Yeah, I, I, I'm just hearing about this, right? We were talking about this before before we started recording. I think they I gotta still figure, make it. I gotta, I gotta go find it. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested in that. I think my, it's not branded 10th Mountain, but when they throw the Epic Pass out mm-hmm. and Vale's mm-hmm. like, hey, Joe, 130 bucks for, for a season, that's... That's my favorite thing that, yeah. that they've got going on. Nobody's sure. doing that price. No, There's not at no all. For, for, nope. for an epic Nobody pass. beats no a deal and dug deal. Yeah. Right? I learned how much the actual, like, not, uh, like, what everyone else pays for the epic pass versus what we, I was like, no way. Yes. Yeah. That's that so ridiculous. Cool. Um, they don't, they don't brand any gear or anything, but, um, or at least that, people wear within regulation mm-hmm. um but i'm wondering you mentioned before is it's a lot easier to take a mountaineer and and make him a soldier mm-hmm. and it holds true to today and we you know we have that culture here in colorado it's a very outdoors culture it's i mean it's it's almost like you know we are the the x games um sorry utah but you're not um cosine and when we get these individuals that are joining and they bring that experience and then they come to the unit, do you mm-hmm. hear a lot of people going, man, this gear is, it's like everybody in the military knows, you know, we're probably going for like lowest bidder. Right. And do you get a lot of people that will, or do you hear a lot of complaining of, can I just use my own personal gear? Cause I've got expert gear and yeah. this stuff is not working. Like is it, does that exist or not? It does. It does. Uh, because we have, we were an infantry battalion that then became a mountain battalion and it just happened to be we're in Colorado and we're national guardsmen. And a lot of us are skiers, hikers, climbers, uh, you name it outdoor, whatever. And we had a lot 
amongst our ranks. We also had a lot of people in our ranks that they joined the army, but the most exciting thing they had done outside of that was play Call of Duty. And so this was a rough wake up call for them. Right. But at that point, we're molding them to the unit. But when a large core of our people in the unit are actually, that's who they are, um, that kind of helped us expedite it and build the culture. And so with that comes some critique of the equipment, but luckily because of this, the kind of special nature of our mission, like we're not, we're not a special operations unit, but because we perform a special job, we have a little extra leeway outside of special forces. We're the only unit you're going to see in the army wearing civilian hiking boots, um, on a range at wherever we're at, if we're, as long as we're on rough terrain and there's, you know, we have the commander's memorandum in our pocket, you know, so if somebody wants to, from another unit sees something they don't like, you know, we can explain to them, hey, you know, they're mountain soldiers in training, back off, you know. Um, but with that also comes some uh, mountaineer preference for certain types of equipment. Um, nobody's gonna really judge. I mean, we have we have national level competitors for, for various uh, skiing and mountaineering type events in within our ranks. People aren't gonna really challenge them if they have their own gear mm -hmm. to an extent, but then it gets into a, a point of safety, like, okay, if we're, we're climbing, we're pretty much using our army issue ropes, which are excellent ropes and our mountaineering kits. You know, Some people might have a harness or something, but it's an approved civilian harness that where we know the specs on that, you know? Um, but so there's a little mix in that too, but we've actually been pretty lucky with some of our equipment and we've had the opportunity to go meet with civilian vendors and go to trade shows and talk directly to the vendor We've done that with like our skis and things like that. So like our skis aren't the best in the world, but we have to buy them in bulk and they're good enough to do the trick considering a lot of our skiers are novice. Right. Somebody brings their own skis because they're a world-class skier and they're white and they're tactical looking. Yep. Nobody's going to say anything. Yeah. Sorry about the skis. Yeah, the skis are <laughs> right. Um, so um, ski or snowboard, what do you do? <laughs> uh, okay, so I am a, even though I don't do it anymore because of all the damage I've done to my body over the years, I yep. will, I, I'm a shredder for life. I'm a goofy foot. Yeah. Uh, grew up a skier originally though, and I will never be as good of a sn snowboarder as I was a skier as a child. It just, you know, when you're young, it right, comes you just, naturally. You charge. And then I picked <laughs> up snowboarding when I was like 19 or something like that and did it for like 15 years and enjoyed it, but just never really mastered the toe-end turn. See, that's so. that's wild, because I'm a flip of that. Yeah. I, I grew up on the East Coast. Um, not, skiing is, and snowboarding is completely different out here. You're not just riding an ice rink downhill. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, as a snowboarder, and then, and I don't know if I ever told you this one, but so Heather came up to me one day. Uh -huh. She said, I want to take a ski lesson. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm, I'm going to grab my snowboard. I'll come with you. And she said, no, I want to do this together. And I was like, okay. You know, like when you're a kid, they, you, you take one or two runs on skis and that's where they start you off. Um, especially when I was a kid, like snowboarding was, you know, you, you were you're a juvenile if, if you're a delinquent. You know, oh, right. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... So yeah, she's like, I want to go and take a ski lesson. And I was like, okay, I'll do this with you. Let's go. 
and then I didn't realize how like the shape and the the camber and like twin tip and all this oh, other yeah. stuff. So I was like, I'm burnt out on snowboarding. I want to totally see what's up with skiing. Yeah. And then next thing I know, I'm like center mounting, you know, like 179s and I'm riding switch going backwards faster than I'm going forwards and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm a flip, right? I'm, I'm the opposite of you. I, um, I, and I, I still ski not, I, I don't like, throw down like i used to yeah you know, i got i i left an acl on a mountain no so <laughs> you know i gotta i gotta take care of myself um i um uh, i pretty much have done snowboarding the whole time uh i'm outnumbered yeah i so we're talking we're talking we're, about like ski troopers and ski yeah units, right and i'm outnumbered but uh-huh. go for it so i <laughs> and i started when i was oh man i was i was really young uh, like five or six, I think the first time I hopped on a snowboard. Um, but I had a blast and I got the first time I was snowboarding, I got kicked off the bunny slope because I was going too fast. Uh, and about that point in time, it's going way too fast. I didn't, the idea of like carving and slaloming, like that wasn't an idea. It was straight down. As long as you weren't a 35 year old man when this happened, I think. Yeah. Right. I was, I guess that I was like six or seven, maybe just straight lining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, As I got older, I, I became a little bit more, uh, aware and respectful as a, as a boarder. Um, I tried skiing. Uh, I think I was 15, 16, I was in high school and I tried skiing and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Um, I did not like the idea of my feet being mounted to two separate things that could go off in separate directions. Uh, and then my, every part of my body was like, you should not be facing directly down this mountain. You should be turned sideways, you know, and, and stopping facing sideways versus stopping, you know, if you stop on your heels, you're facing on the mountain, toe side, you're facing off the, it, everything was wrong to the point where like, I would be going like, I like train park. That's what I've always done. It's, it's huge for me. All right. So you're a park guy. Yeah. That was going to be my, that's my um, next question. Start thinking about that one. <laughs> I tried it on skis and literally in midair. Park and came park? Off, it, in skis. Okay. Well, I'll let you go. I, so midair again, first time I'm, I'm on these skis. Midair, go off a jump, and and I try. I turned sideways, because I was like, I should land sideways. Uh, yeah. Subconsciously, hit the ground, and boom, just you got to you got to pull ground. that around and at least drop switch. Yeah, no, I, I literally that means to come in. I hit the ground sideways, and I didn't injure myself, but it was a hard hit. I, it took a moment for me on that one. Okay, um, so so you board and mm. your park or park and pipe. I have never attempted. Okay, that's not true. I've attempted pike a uh, pipe. And it went terribly. Okay. That, uh, that would be a half pipe also for our civilian. Yeah. Most of our civilian listeners actually know what's going on. So I, so now I'm talking to the military people who don't ski or snowboard. Pipe is short for half pipe. I'm not asking him if, you know, he um, uh, indulges in Colorado's, Colorado's Amendment 64. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, okay. So, so you, tried, you tried hitting the half pipe once. I, I basically. And you, and you ate it. Yard sale. The bat... I could figure it out. I'm sure I could. Um, but when I, the problem I understand was, the concept, yeah, just my body doesn't follow in suit. So I probably could have got it that day, except that the one time that I've ever tried it was at Copper Mountain and it was right, you went packed. Big. Yeah. There were so many people and I wasn't willing to wait again to try. At that point in time, I was just like, 
whatever. I'm just going to continue to, to board for the rest of the day and not stand around and wait to board, you know? So that was my one attempt at the half pipe. Um, I prefer like Keystone or Monarch on a little bit smaller mountains and, uh, yeah hitting the uh, like keystone has a oh, don't get too I far grew up the on monarch that was <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was my jam monarch so, was good and keystone has a good natural terrain park so let's throw like. this back over to major nichols um sergeant willis is is a park and terrain sounding guy um powder horse are you a powder hound back country guy just nah, a groomer where, just where a, did you ride just a guy just a guy going down the slopes like yeah. to summarize the the duality of my mountain sports career lifetime pre or, you know, outside of the army um, at 10, I was able to, you know, I was doing double diamonds and my snowboarding career culminated in. So basically the last time I went snowboarding was, it was just one of those weird days where the powder was really, really jacked, mm -hmm. like, like to where somebody at my skill level on a board what i wasn't really meshing with what was going down so i was falling a lot and i was mm -hmm. like sinking in the snow having panic attacks and the culminating moment of my snowboarding career was two dudes on the chairlift telling me to go back to texas <laughs> oh, and no. i lost i lost it like do i look am i wearing jeans and hunting camo on slopes here like i tell right. other people to go back to texas and i was like all right i'm retired yeah. yeah. So that for people outside of Colorado listening, part of the culture is the uh, the healthy banter we have with some of our guests from neighboring states, um, like and Texas. Maybe, uh, yeah. Um, maybe not even neighboring, like California. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and their their idea of culture on the slopes yeah. versus like kind of the the locals and um, so well, you know, you can the get hilarity that ensues. You can get thrown off really easily because I've seen some of the um, you know like Burton, uh, some of those. Uh, designs actually have like a, a denim looking pattern on like a ski jacket or a snowboard jacket. So I'm you're pretty like, sure that comes from mocking the whole skis oh, and jeans vibe or like oh, yeah. Gaper Day or stuff like that <laughs> where like, once again that's like a, if you don't know what that is that's like across the state like it's a day that where the locals basically clown on the guests from certain states that like dress a certain way on the slopes and so like you'll see like the local kids wearing like like hot pink bodysuits and like very like 80s like tight fitting like hairband stuff or are there well they'll wear jeans and a cowboy hat and if you're if you don't know what that is and you're on the slopes you're like who are these people and it's like actually they're making fun of you you know yeah. i could see bowers uh sergeant major bowers wearing jeans while skiing but like on purpose. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could picture that. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm, I'm definitely into Colorado powder, the powder snow. Um, like I said before, growing up on the East coast and it's like, it's like a traffic jam on a slanted ice rink and it, it's not as much fun. And then the first, you know, we moved out here in 2008, and the first time I really hit a powder day, I didn't even have the right skis with me. I'm like a, I'm not like a one ski guy. I've got a quiver mm -hmm. of, you know, what am I riding today? Yeah. Am I riding, am I riding my lines or am, am I riding like some K2 Seth Morrison? So whatever it is. Um, and I brought the wrong ski with me, but I loved it. It was just so deep and it was so, so soft. And I like, I felt like I couldn't get hurt um, in, until I actually tore my ACL. Uh, but 
there's something about riding around in deep snow and and you don't necessarily truck through it right you're not ripping through it and going super fast but but just the flow of it and the feel of it and and just the experience of it um it was just so foreign to me and it was so awesome at the same time that i was like oh i i'm hooked this is like my first season out here i logged 60 days and was like i'm this is why i came here i i moved to colorado to ski and drink beer yeah um it's what we do and (laughs) amongst other things but yeah right you know (laughs) um culture Oh, and then, yeah, then then when they tell me, like, oh, hey, hey, Doc, we need we need some medics down down at the infantry. I was like, yeah, cool. Oh, I get a discount at Ski Pass? <laughs> like, I'm oh, back. Oh, glad to know the real re- reason why you were there. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back in the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, I tell that I'm to I'm just here for the Ski Pass. I'm just here for the Ski Pass, guys. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself or I have to put you back together. Um, okay, so let's, let's go bigger. We know what everybody's equipment is. We know what you like to ride. Um, where? Where do you like to ride? What's your favorite resort in Colorado? I'm going to start back over with Major Nichols because you just gritted your teeth at me. I don't <laughs> think I have one. I, I, I Like I said, I grew up, I lived closer to Monarch. So that was like the shortest drive. Right. I, I enjoyed it, but it, it, people don't really think of that one. Uh, what, you know, people think of like, okay, what's off I-70 or like farther sure. out, like Wolf Creek or something like that. Um, I've had my best days and the, and and the most fun at Vale copper mountain i've had an amazing time at breck but that's breck is just like a victim of its own success because it's beautiful it's cool there's a lot of stuff to do and it gets packed and it attracts so many people that you don't want to be on the mountain with unfortunately you know if i could just get a vacuum cleaner and suck everybody off the hilltop and just have it to myself like that would probably be one of my favorites but i I would say uh veil and copper for me so monarch claim to fame uh they do not make snow there correct there are no snow guns i think i think i i haven't been there since like 2002 and i want to i want to say i remember they were making snow but i might be totally wrong that might be skewed memory i used to when i was on the western slope and i would drive back over here i drove right past monarch uh, every single time on highway 50 and i feel like i remember seeing the machines okay i could Uh, be wrong i'll look it up i'll look it up don't don't come after me, Monarch. I'm I'm gonna look it up. Um, Sergeant Willis. So where do you I, ride? I grew up going to Loveland and and Breck, um, and I agree with you about about Breck. Um, I love the area, uh, but it is very crowded and it didn't it's very broy. It's like yeah. the bro mountain, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and that's not me. I don't have that mentality, so yeah. I, I struggle getting along with a lot of people there. Uh, Loveland was almost empty every single time that I went there growing yeah. up, and it's slowly now I almost never go to Loveland. Yeah, um, it's kind of a boring mountain to me now, to be honest. Uh, Monarch and Keystone are my two big ones. I definitely like those. Like I said, Keystone mainly because I, I learned that they have like a all natural like wood terrain park, uh, which was really cool. Um, hurts just as much when you crash though. So, and then I don't like copper almost at all. It too much. It's too many people. I yeah. Think. Uh, and I think, I think at one point we said, what do you like? <laughs> um, you know, copper kind of falls in the category of like mammoth, uh, out in California for me. Cause 
it's more about the touristy aspect of it than the yeah. actual mountain. Um, so yeah. I, See, that's how I feel Breck is starting to become yeah. too, though. Unfortunately. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to disagree with what you said before. I love Loveland. Yeah, I do. I I love the fact that I could be there in like 45 minutes. Um, it's not bought out by big corporation it's very if you remember what was that movie out cold it's very papa months like ski, uh, ski patrol ski academy what? <laughs> that, that, that one oh. it's 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 a very local right it's a yeah. community thing it's I, it kind of reminds me of like being in the military it's a it's a community of yeah. of um i hope the people that that I, I ride with there don't take this wrong, but it's a community of misfits and we get together and and we love it together, yeah. right? And and the, you know, the, the bar is just this little old like wooden bar with a fireplace every once in a while, they'll have like yeah. a bluegrass band That's there. That's cool. And what that. you were talking about that. before with like getting a vacuum and just like, you know, yeah. getting the run to yourself. There's been days where I'll come down, you know, like off the ridge and and you could stop like halfway down and just sit there for a little while and nobody's passing you for for like a good five minutes you don't yeah. run into anybody and you're like this is my run it's my day and you don't get that very often I mean, anywhere in the state so that's huge so so that's that's my that was my first like that was my first mountain girlfriend right mm-hmm. that was my first you're, love you're selling it you're making me want to go back but um i i'd say close second is winter park i'm uh, for some for one reason or another i guess i'm on the east side of the, of the divide um I, I like to go up to winter park and it's probably because i like to stop and get barbecue while yeah. i'm up in winter park uh, never been always wanted to go that's like the one i never got to and that people talked about that like it was shangri-la and oh, i yeah. never got to experience it oh, like on we'll go up we'll go up and we'll we'll go slay that mountain like old men we'll just we'll, <laughs> yeah we'll i'll have to sit winter. on the snowboard but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um okay so that's that's what we ride um that's where we ride and and, and the terrain we like to ride um when you're done riding, what do you like to drink? Could be coffee, could be Gatorade. I'm oh not, no, I'm it's, not, it's I'm... gonna be beer or whiskey, but okay. like like a nice, like like a red ale or one of those safe IPAs. It's gotta be something darker. I'm not having a Mexican lager after like coming off the slopes. It just doesn't, you know, not a summertime beer. Yeah. But like a nice porter, uh, a Java porter or something like that. That's that's like if you're just saying my ideal day. There's what if there's something waiting for me at the bottom. Maybe a nice Java porter. How about that? Right on. Uh, I definitely back when I drank, I, it was the whiskey is like a smokier. Yeah. Like tin cup was one that I liked. No, oh, they're good. Yeah, um, yeah, tin cup was good. Um, now I mean I, I actually haven't been since I stopped drinking, I have to imagine I'd go classic, like either coffee or hot chocolate. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just going to keep being a Colorado Homer and I'm just going to keep plugging all the locals. Um, I got to go. So Tommy knocker makes a pine bow, uh, Tommy knocker brewery out of Idaho Springs. Uh, and it's it, like, they actually just take the branches off the pine trees up in the mountains mm-hmm. and, oh, and wow. use that into the brewery. Um, producer totally just, confirmed and and showed me monarch mountain relies solely on snowfall okay no, whoa respect okay yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah so that's 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 a cool attraction to that 
Um, are we, we we were name dropping before, so I have to name drop. I didn't know we were name dropping, so I have to yeah. say I would want a coffee cream extra from Comrade. There you go. Or a red con from Comrade waiting for me at the bottom of the yeah, mountain. So, so I have to plug in like, which is my neighborhood brewery, by the way, <laughs> and Great American Beer Festival's number one brewery in the nation. So got to rest the neighborhood. Yeah. Nice. So. Um, let's uh let's wrap it back to let's uh, that was that was cool that was that was awesome to talk about all this stuff let's bring it back over to the uh 10th mountain uh one last time um or more specifically the uh first of the 157th here in colorado um how how do i how do i get involved right like if i'm just your average listener and i'm Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking that sounds pretty cool that's what i do right i'm i'm a mount I'm a mountaineer. I'm a skier. Yeah. I I do the same things as these guys, right? I, right? I I like to have a beer, or I'm just super proud of Colorado and and the great things um, that it's produced and continu- continues to produce. I want to I want to be part of this community. I want to uh, be involved. You know, you don't you don't have to be an infantryman to be in right. the infantry battalion. There's support. Like I, I was, we have I was medics. A medic, we right? have yeah. signal. We have oh yeah. Um, well, like we mentioned earlier, talking about the original intent of the uh, training intent uh, of building the 10th Mountain Division, uh, we we want to make mountaineers into soldiers, not the other way around. We've proven now that we can do both because we're not the t- the clock's not ticking and the Nazis aren't waiting for us to go go up into the Italian Alps and kick their butts. So we got a little time, but the idea is to show the world or show the country that we do this. Like there is a place where you as Mr. or Mrs. Mountaineer or skier or kayaker or hiker, you can join and do what you love to do. We've talked to so many people over the years who are, who say like, I have a passion for, this is who I am, this is what I do. I would join the military, but I, I would like to do what I love to do while in. Well, for people in that group, now you can. And we happen to do it here in the Colorado National Guard in our infantry battalion. So we are light infantry soldiers who train to do the dirty work to go and meet the enemy face to face and fight them on the battlefield. But we bring to the table something that no other organization in the U.S. military inventory, Army or Marines on active duty can say they do. And that's we train from mountaineering and skiing and surviving and fighting in the mountains. Uh, so really it's just a matter of i mean i would almost hand the mic to you guys in recruiting but get a hold of your recruiter tell him what you want to do tell him you know i love the mountains i love this culture we really look at the battalion as like ever since we've we had that reintegration into the 10th mountain division and being just humbled by meeting those veterans and being you know overshadowed by our own state's history with that division our battalion has been like a celebration of just all things Colorado, which was the original intent. We're proud of our home. We're proud of where we're from. And for those of us who moved here from somewhere else, well, welcome. Now you're part of the Colorado family. That's you know, great. we That's ski, great. we hike, we climb. You know, not everybody drinks, but when we do, but the ones who do, <laughs> they're they, you know they're, they're hoisting you know Colorado craft brews, the best in the world. We're, it's just a celebration of everything that is Colorado, and not just Colorado, the, the Rocky Mountains as a whole. For sure. Yeah. And so that's like something that we feel when we're at work every day, when we look at our left sleeve, you know, and look at look at the mountain logo on our left sleeve or the tenth mountain patch, um, and and that, that's what brings us in and keeps us there. 
and continues the the brotherhood and sisterhood that we have, you know, and not everybody gets to have that. And so we know that there's something special going on and that's why we're apart and that's why we stay, you know. That's, uh, I'm, I'm amped. Yeah, right. I'm, I, I'm stoked as hell. How do I get from that? Yeah, you <laughs> need to come over. We need, we need, we need a medic like you I'm, over there. I'll come, come back down. Um, so, I just want to throw this out there, right? This is only what our third episode, uh, but we had a conversation about nine years ago, myself and Major Nichols, and it there was actually a couple of us on headsets in the back of an MRAP. Gerard was there. Yep. He was a part of um, where this is going. I think Infanger was was in a couple times. He was in and out. Yeah, he was involved. Um, Foisey was up on the gun. Maybe he was. Yeah, I think he was kind of grumpy um, up there in the, the he turret. Was, he was always grumpy. I don't think something. he was an active participant, really. But we, we joked about having an MRAP uh, morning show is what it was, right? We, I don't think podcasts were really taken off then we didn't we didn't no we kind yeah of, the podcasts were around and yeah. i think we brought used the, the the term podcast but we're like would it be called m dash rap or like right. m, m rap rap yeah or something so you know? so here we are right like nine years later the conception is real um and <laughs> i never would have thought that a decade <laughs> later because it was like Look, you're talking to. Look, you're talking to. In the back of the MRAP, you got the headphones on, and when you talk, you sound like a public radio reporter. Like it just makes your voice turn into a. You're listening to NBR News. I'm right. I'm Sergeant First Class Pelletier, <laughs> and and we're having. We would walk straight from the Chow Hall with our coffee still, just to have one for the road after having a hearty breakfast, and we'd be in the back with our coffee, and it started out like a coffee talk right. type of thing, like That's the old exactly SNL. Where it skit or whatever but with the voices and then it just turned into a what's the what's the topic today what's yeah. the agenda yeah for MRAP. About the socks. and we got every at first it was just like a couple of us and next thing you know the whole mraps going along with it besides you know guy in the turret because he's being grumpy but everybody <laughs> else is like into it now and then it's like what are we going to talk about we can talk about it at the breakfast table but it's not the same if we're not in the mrap with the headphones on right. with our voices amplified like a radio person and a coffee in our hand and like we had some we did the thing that like you know, like somebody's like, oh, wow, we're so interesting. We should have our own podcast. No, you shouldn't. Don't don't do that. But some people do. And it actually works out because actually maybe it is interesting. And here we are a decade later. And this is weird. And this is still weird to me. Right. You know? It's nice for me to know the history of the thing that I'm an active participant in. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't clue you in on any of that. No, that, this is new. Information I was like, hey, guys, I got an idea and we're running with it. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think I, I like to think that I was involved with the uh the burning process here, but apparently not. <laughs> well, you know, you're the execution, you're an, you, you're an enabler for the execution, you know, that made it a reality. So, and I, I thoroughly enjoy it. So, um, I don't know where we're going next week, but our next episode, um, I, I can only imagine that it will be just as fun as this, but inside for me, uh, I was really looking forward to this episode and I'm really glad that, you decided to uh, throw yourself out and and come on the on the show, um, and we made it through without swearing. Yeah, that's always that's important. yeah. Oh, is this like the first? Mark that up. It's like Bill Cosby himself. I think he only swore once. But did he, I didn't even know he had it. He could even do that. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I have a question for you. Yeah. If you listen to like 
local sports radio, one of the radio shows always does the, they have a guy on like off some big NFL star or something and he gets off and they're like, would you consider him a friend of the show? Like, right. do you, like was he, is he a friend of the show? Are you no, asking I don't for think friends it, then? So like, am I, am I, is that a, do I get to be like coined a fr- friend of the show or, or do you have to kind of be in circulation a little bit longer? I you know, like the outside. me, Mike Ditka and me, friends of the show, you know. We're, we're, you're, you're outside. From the outside <laughs> of, of this going on, you know, going on here, uh, I'd say absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, you were, you were at the conception, right? Like you're a little yeah. bit more involved than everyone else uh yeah. that we that we're gonna bring one of the mothers point. of the mrap i was uh, just thinking like weeks ago i want to be a friend of somebody's show or you know and then then you you texted me and you're like it's real dude and so <laughs> i'm like this is my only chance probably i don't think i'm ever gonna be on another God, podcast again you're, you're in I, you're, I, you I are a friend i don't think i'm getting invited to be on my favorite murder or something we're, we're gonna bring we're gonna bring you back again joe rogan sure. yeah definitely. um i would definitely appreciate it if you if you came back you're you, you're very knowledgeable and, and you know, it's it's great to learn about other things from other people. He's only a major, bro. He can't promote you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, when you guys run out of stuff and you need like the emergency guy, I come. You right. know where to find me. You know. Yeah, it's you are. We're gonna put the you cubicle back, to the left, right up on the second floor. Put you back in the glass and put the little hammer back. Yeah. Break glass in in case of emergency. Um, it's been killer having you with us. I I really really cannot say enough uh, how much I enjoyed this. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad you guys are doing something like this. Yeah. And if if any of our listeners out there want to, again, be a part of our community, um, reach out to us. If you want to join the Mountain Infantry, um, you want to be part of the history, part of the lineage that is still living today here in Colorado, um, not only just infantry, but for support, things like medics, mechanics, hit us up. Let us know. Uh, like usual, leave us a five-star rating or you're just a true blue falcon. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Leave us a review. Hit us up with some questions. Is there somebody you want to uh, you want us to bring on the show, to interview, to talk about jumping out of airplanes or things like that? Let me know. Uh, we'll bring them on. Um, Even if you have someone specific in mind, let us know. I'm willing to ask anyone. Yeah, you may say no, but we'll ask. We'll, we'll ask. Yeah, right. It's better to ask for forgiveness than uh, beg for permission. Is that what it is? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us in the back of the MRAP, and sir, thank you for joining us. Uh, I guess at this point, we'll just we're going to let Major Nichols enter back into the thirty-six chambers of operations. Wu Tang. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. for tuning in to this episode of the MRAP. Join the conversation on our social media channels and we'll see you in the next episode.